Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Does Jesus' story of the rich man and Lazarus intend to give us details about heaven and hell? That is the question we'll discuss on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, brand manager for the HCSB, and here with uh, my co-host, Trevin Wax, managing editor of The Gospel Project. And uh, today we're going to discuss Luke 16, 19 to 31, which is uh, the story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus. That's right. And this is a passage of scripture that poses some uh, difficult interpretive challenges for us. Um, there's more than one, actually. Yeah, and I think you know we, we probably just need to focus here uh, just on the question of whether we should take uh, the details from the story basically as literal descriptions of heaven and hell. Uh, but there are some other views um, that we that we need to look at, a couple of questions about whether or not this is a true story that Jesus recounted or, or if it's just a parable. Right, because um, your take on that question, whether this is a true story Jesus told or a parable, that's going to influence the way you treat the details about Hades and paradise right. in the story, too. So Yeah, so let's go ahead and, and read the text. Um, it's kind of long, so maybe we can break it up if you want to read the first part of it, and okay. then I'll, I'll come in after. Luke sixteen twenty nine through uh, 31 in the HCSB, or 19 through 31 in the HCSB. Uh, this comes right after Jesus tells four parables in a row. So you've got the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, and the dishonest manager. He interacts with the Pharisees a little on the question of money, question of divorce. Then he launches into this. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was left at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table. But instead, the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am agony. I'm in agony in this flame. Okay, we'll pick it up. Um, And Abraham said, remember that during your life, you received your good things, just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and and you, so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot. Neither can those from here cross over to us. Verse 27, Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house, because I have five brothers to warn them so that they won't come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. All right. So there you have it. This is a, I love this, this story because it is a riveting account of role reversals. And you know, that, that happens a lot in the gospels, especially in Luke. He's constantly reversing, uh, taking this emphasis on the poor and the marginalized and reversing that with the uh, the rich and those in power. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first question, though, that we've got to deal with, does Luke, and by that count, of course, does Jesus, uh, does Luke intend for us to read this story as a literal historical account, or is he including this as one of Jesus' parables? Now, there's only two answers to that question. On mm-hmm. the one hand, um, most scholars would say that this is a parable of Jesus in line with the parable of the rich fool, the prodigal son, the dishonest manager, Things like that. The reasons for that perspective is this. Uh, The parable comes, it's grouped together in a collection. Uh, In fact, some people say that the structure of Luke, 
his gospel actually has this parable as a parallel with an earlier parable that Jesus tells, the one about the rich fool. Remember the story about the rich man who built up barns to store up his wealth and yeah. he died in the night, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the story itself is structured similar to Jesus' parables. And uh, the other reason why a lot of people think this is a parable is because it starts out by saying there was a man, which is a little like saying once upon a time mm-hmm. in Jesus' day. I mean, it's how he started a lot, if not most, of his parables. So. Yeah, and and on the flip side of of the argument of whether or not maybe this is a literal story he's telling, not a parable, um, I think throughout church history, um, a lot of people have said this is an actual event, and and they say that the the first unique aspect of the story is that uh, Jesus gives this poor man a name, so his name is Lazarus. So if this is a parable, uh, it's only the parable where one of the main characters is given a name. So this is not often for a parable to have a name given in it. Um, and and then there's a second unique aspect that kind of leans toward this maybe being an actual event. Uh, which is that Jesus gives details about the afterlife, and that's not something he really does anywhere else. Okay, so now that we've discussed both of those options, parable or historical account, I'm curious, Brandon, of those choices, what do you think? It's got to be one or the other. Uh, When Jesus told this story, did he intend for us to see it as a historical account, or is he telling it as one of his parables? Go. What's your take? Yeah, so... um... Is there not a third way I can have here? <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, if there is, you'll be the first to come up with oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, learn from the best. So, um, no, I, I do think it's a parable. I think that's a that's a fair thing to say. I mean, sometimes we tend to look at Scripture and say, okay, well, this is the one time this ever happened, so clearly it's not that. So it's the one time Lazarus gets a name, so it's clearly not a parable, uh, where that's not necessarily the case. Um, it would be a little out of character seems like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm not thinking of something, but it would be a unique case in which Jesus would be talking about some kind of historical story in this like afterlife world, like out somewhere else that there is this, this conversation that he's witnessed at some point in, in time or outside of time that he's all of a sudden bringing into a story he's telling on earth. I don't, I can't think of a time he's done that. Maybe he has. That that would be unique too. Yeah. 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 So, um, I I think really what, what, what makes sense of this is that it is a parable, um, and that it is him teaching, I mean, about heaven and hell and about what it looks like to be separated from God and not in the peace of God and what torment might look like. I think it's, I think probably the most impactful uh, part of this story and what kind of tips me over is him saying, you know, I have five brothers. I don't want to be sent here. And it feels like Jesus is telling the story, this parable in a way of saying that there, that there are real consequences. You think about, decisions. you know, here's the characters, here's the decisions that are made. And uh, look at these characters on this side of the parable who don't, who doesn't want to be here and he doesn't want his family here versus the joy that comes with um, following Christ ultimately, um, but also listening to Moses and the prophets. Kind of like that moment of truth. I mean, there's a lot of that in, in Jesus' parables. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think it's a parable. Uh, I, I do find it interesting that the, this is the only parable that the man gets a name in, Lazarus, but I think there's a reason for that. Um, the rich man doesn't get a name. There's reversing things, right? right? The only thing we know about him is that he's rich. Uh, he might've been well-known in his life and Lazarus was not, but in according to this upside down way of thinking that Jesus has, Lazarus gets the name and the rich man is known only for, for his riches. So mm. I love that. Plus the name Lazarus means God is my help, which is, I think as Jesus tells the story is Jesus's way of showing us, this is not, this is a, this is a, a representation, the embodiment of the faithful poor, mm-hmm. the, the destitute, the people that God is my help is the cry of the psalmist. You know, that you see, uh, it, it, it gives a character to the man. It shows his name. He lives up to his name. It's a faithful 
poor man. So, um, and then for me, the main thing is just the way the parable starts. There was a man is the exact same way right. that starts out with a prodigal son, mm-hmm. right? Or, you know, the shepherd and the sheep and, and things like this. So, um, it, the way the parable starts and goes forward is structured and, and the way it's structured is so in line with the rest of Jesus' parables. Yeah. And to be fair to the historical side, I mean, there are a lot of names in the Bible that mean things that are actual names of real people. Sure, so, sure. So Jesus has, you know, his name, God saves and God with us, those different things. So Jesus is now a parable, according to Trevin Wax. No, I did not, I did not <laughs> say that. But I do, I do think too, I mean, it's a, it doesn't not show you the power of a story that the characters are so, I mean, they're so vividly represented in Jesus' parables that you, you see them as real people. People get really heated up about, mm-hmm. is this story parable or real or not? Because they feel like they know this man, Lazarus, right. like the, the way they feel like they, you know, we, we come to know the father in the story of the prodigal son or the older brother, the, the rich fool. And even more so here though, because Jesus gives him a name. So yeah, we could true. be wrong. Yeah. But it's, it's easy to attach it that way for sure. And, and if it, we're wrong, we'll meet Lazarus in heaven. Yeah. I can't wait. And he will. There's a lot, I mean, at least two Lazaruses. That's right. Heaven, That's right. This would so. be another one. So. Um, okay. okay. So treating this story as a parable. Um, so, so what about the details of the afterlife here, right? So you, you hear people preach this and they'll basically start delineating and trying to draw a map out for you for what heaven and hell looks like and what the chasm looks like and um, start talking about the final judgment. Um, I've also heard people make the case that people in hell can talk to Abraham or they can talk to people in heaven. Um, so what do you think about that side of it? Well, Here's what I think you got to do. Um, whether you see it as a parable or as a story, a historical account, either way, you got to focus on the point of it, which is, you got to ask, why did Jesus tell the story and what is going to stand out to the original listeners? Um, I, I heard a sermon preached on this story once and it was all about heaven and hell. And the preacher didn't make any point at all about wealth and poverty. And mm. I remember thinking, I've got my Bible open. I remember thinking, Seriously? I mean, that is one of the main concerns of Luke, of Jesus. I mean, definitely that's one of the concerns of this story. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, if you, if you miss the reversal, you know, from Lazarus on the doorstep in torment from dogs and then the wealthy man who doesn't even notice him to, to, to the, uh, I think you're missing the main point of that. If, if you don't notice that and it's, I think Jesus is, is like he often does with parables. He's, he's trying to shock you. Right. That's right. Not because of the details of Hades described here and, and just like the torment of hell itself necessarily, uh, but just how radical the change is. So another thing to keep in mind is that the rich man calls Abraham father and Abraham calls the man child. It's oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, how do you think the Pharisees that are listening to him <laughs> would have responded to that? I mean, the idea that a child of Abraham is languishing in torment after death. Right. I mean, Jesus is going after these guys who make their pedigree you know the the issue or the way to get to god yeah that's a good way to sum it um okay so so kind of back to the afterlife afterlife details so so are we do you think we should pay attention to these details that's something that i'm always kind of questioning like how much do you actually talk about the details when you're preaching this okay so some scholars say yes jesus does want us to get a very clear picture of hell and heaven in some way Mm -hmm. then there are a lot of scholars that say no, he's painting a scene. Don't press the parable for details because that's not the main point. So I'm curious what you think about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Um, Jesus's parables always tend to be telling a bigger point or a bigger story, not trying to get you into the minutia. So like you're not supposed to spend a lot of time thinking about who the prodigal son might be, right? Like he's, he's it, just because he gives Lazarus a name, I think that tends to bring us back to like, okay, what are the details here? We got a name, so now we can break everything else down. When really it's it's like the other parables where he's not trying to give you 
these very strict details about what hell and heaven might look like. Um, but he's, he's really trying to make a big point. So I think you're right on about that. Yeah. I, I'd be careful about pressing the details too far. I mean, I had a, I had a teacher once who was trying to build this entire theology of the afterlife from this story. Um, and I, I remember thinking, okay, that, that's, that's really taking this story in a direction. I'm not sure Jesus was, that's not the intent. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do worry sometimes though, that, some scholars push too far the other way. They they don't even they really almost want to minimize the vividness of the descriptions that Jesus has here. It's a parable, so it's not about torment and hell. Of right? Not. Yeah. I mean, it must all be metaphorical. There mustn't be nothing to be worried about yeah. and things like that. And I, I say, okay, well, you you do have to at some point grapple with the fact that Jesus assumes that there is a real place of torment for the mm-hmm. wicked and there is a real place of rest for the righteous. And no matter what you think about exactly the details of that. Jesus shows that at least the rich man here is conscious in this state, and he's actually saying, hey, I, w- I want you to go and evangelize my brothers yeah. so that they don't have to come here. Right. So uh, even if the main point of this is the radical role reversal, there is a place to talk about heaven, hell, eternality of our choices, um, evangelism, and things like that. That's a key thing to remember, too. But, I mean, obviously we're not going to say like the bosom of Abraham is – people are in Abraham's stomach or that people are talking back and forth between yeah. the goal. I, I think that at that point we're pressing the point too far, yeah. but let's not swing the pendulum so far back the other way that we miss some of the vividness of the, the painting that Jesus is, is making here. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't have biblical warrant to that. There's all these conversations between heaven and hell going on. I mean, we have in Job one Satan, you know, basically at God's throne talking to him and this basically that's it. Um, so we don't want to go too far that way, but if you do think about his parables, it's not like Jesus like makes up, I mean, I'm being a little facetious here, but it's not like Jesus is talking about made up lands of unicorns all the time. And when he uses parables, he's describing real places. And so we can assume at some level, this is actually in continuity with the way that he talks about Israel and and historical events, all these different things he talks about that there is a real place like this because everything else he talks about are real concrete places in the world. Yeah. Jesus gives some very vivid imagery when he's talking about, about heaven and hell. So in preaching and teaching this text, here's, here's what, um, here's what I'd say. And then I'd like to see what, what you'd say as well. I, I, I would say, um, be careful not to minimize just how horrifying the scene is. Mm-hmm. Okay. When people talk about hell and they mention the pictures of Jesus, of hell that Jesus gives, you know, flames that never go out, darkness that you can feel, gnashing of teeth, worms that don't die. Um, it's true that Jesus and the other scriptural writers are talking about a, a, a real place or experience, but some people will say, well, obviously these images, I mean, some of them even contradict themselves, fire, darkness, things like that. So they must be just metaphors. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say, wait, 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 just metaphors. Right. I mean, just, if you say that these are just metaphors, you have missed the point. I mean, he, Jesus is using the most intense, painful language he can possibly imagine to try to warn us away from hell. So if he's using pictures and imagery, it's because the reality is so much worse. It, not because it, if you get some sort of false comfort by thinking of mm-hmm. this as being just metaphorical, you're really missing the import of why Jesus is turning to this kind of image in the first place. Yeah, it's it's almost like how do you describe something like this in human words, right? You use right. just as, as many metaphors as possible to get the point across of how terrible this is. I think, too, you know, the, the preaching on this, you hear this as like the heaven and hell sermon. Let's just hammer on heaven and hell and, and there's fire in heaven. And, and, and so I, I don't think we should minimize that, but we also don't want to make this all about that. We don't want it to be like a guilt trip sermon about, well, you could be Lazarus if you're not careful. 
I mean, well, that's true. You mean the rich man? You could be like the rich yeah, man. Yeah, if you're not yeah, yeah. Uh, you could be, you know, you could be, if you're not careful, then, but at the same time, you, you do want to say, look, there, is, Christ is giving a very clear picture here. All of his parables, he tends to go back to um, moral things or ethical things or the way that God relates to people. And this is another example of that. So, so we should definitely be eventually and, and very quickly actually getting to the point of, Jesus gives you a way to not have to deal with this. So yes, this is what's going on. He's teaching this parable and giving this as an example. Uh, but ultimately, what's amazing and beautiful about the whole thing is that there is this paradise. There is this place you can be where you're not in that. You're not in. You know, you get the joy of, of being with God forever. So. That's right. And for those of us who are, who would be closer in possessions to the rich man than to Lazarus, yeah. let's not also overlook the, the main role reversal that's going on here, and mm-hmm. to really feel the. The pinch of this passage, the the way Jesus wants us to. The pinch your pennies of this <laughs> passage. That's right. Gosh, our, our listeners deserve a better pun than that, don't they? Yeah, I, we can find one by the next episode. <laughs> Good luck with that. All right. Thank you all, uh, as always, for listening. And uh, Trevin, thanks for jumping on. We will see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.